if you have a Bible, either a printed copy like I have right here, or you have a digital copy on your phone, let me encourage you to hold it up and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, open up your copy of God's Word with me to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. In January, we began our journey through this book, and we discovered John was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. It was Sunday, the Lord's Day, and John was worshiping the Lord when Jesus appeared to him in a vision, and he gave him the revelation, an unveiling of future events that would happen at the end of this age, and it would culminate with God making everything new. We are told that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. God himself will make his home among us. Imagine that. For those of us who know him, those of us who love him, we will be able to be with him forever. But this morning, as we wrap up this book, I want us to look at John's final words. Chuck Swindoll calls these verses, the final verses in the Revelation, the final words for a fallen world. And I believe that that, that is a good description. These final words are not just the final words in the book of Revelation, but they are the final words in the entire Bible. And I believe that that is by God's providence. God in his sovereignty planned it that way because these words that are given to us give us four clear admonitions. Four admonitions that a fallen world needs to hear. And that's what we're going to end the book of Revelation with this morning. Now here's admonition number one. God's word can be trusted. And because God's word can be trusted, we need to obey it. Listen to what it says in, in verses 6 and 7. It says, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. And then it goes on to say, blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Now listen to that again. It says everything. Everything that you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Not some of it. Not most of it. But all of it is true. Now this is specifically talking about the book of Revelation, but I believe it is generally talking about all of Scripture. You can trust the Bible, you can trust Scripture because it's God's Word. And God's Word is truth. Jesus said this, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he went on to say, your Word is truth. Solomon said this, he said, every word of God proves true. David said it this way, he said, all your words are true. 
from the very first words written in the Bible to the very last words written in the Bible, every single word is true. When it says God created the heavens and the earth in seven days, it's true. When the Bible says that God created man out of the dust of the earth and it says that God created woman from man's rib, that is true. When it says that God created man in his own image, in his own likeness, that is true. When it says that God flooded the world with a flood that covered the entire planet because of the sinfulness of man, that is true. When it says that God rained down fire and burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness, that is true. When it says that God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to cross over on dry ground, that is true. When it says that Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three years, and then it tells us that Elijah called down fire from heaven to burn up a sacrifice in front of the entire nation and in front of the false prophets of Baal, that's true. When it tells us that, that Jonah was swallowed by a large fish because of his unwillingness to go to Nineveh, that's true. And when it tells us that the fish vomited Jonah up on dry ground because he repented, that is true. And when it says that, that God's eternal son, Jesus, was born of a virgin, that he took on flesh and bone, he lived a perfect life, he died a cruel death on a cross only to come back three days later to life to pay for our sins, that is true. And when it says that one day God will judge this sinful world during a time of great tribulation, mark my word, that is true. Every miracle in the Bible is true. Every story that it tells is true. Every teaching that is given is true. When the Bible speaks of historical events, they're true. When the Bible speaks of science, it is true. Whatever the Bible speaks on, it is true. Now listen, I may not understand everything that the Bible says, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. And I may not even like everything the Bible says. But that doesn't change the fact that it's true. And the reason is because the Bible is God's word. It comes from the very mouth of God. We're told it's God breathed. We're told that the prophets and the authors who gave us this book spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And God, the giver of this book, the one who created everything out of nothing, the one who put in place the laws that, that govern our universe, the one who created everything with a purpose, he is the one who determines truth. Not you, not me, not some politician in Washington, not some university professor lecturing in his or her classroom, not some Hollywood star who has decided they know what is best for the world, only God gets to determine truth. Truth transcends our emotions. Truth goes beyond our intellect. Truth isn't determined in a court of law. It isn't decided by Congress. And it's certainly not deemed truth in the public square. Truth 
is truth. Truth determines truth. Truth is truth whether you like it or not. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you obey it or not, it is still truth. I love what Tony Evans said about truth. He said, truth is the absolute standard by which reality can be measured. Truth is the absolute standard by which reality can be measured. Truth is the absolute standard. And God is truth. And God's word is truth. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Romans. He said, let God be found true and every man a liar. Now you may say, what does that mean? Well, what it means is, if you disagree with God and what God says in his word, you are wrong. Because God is never wrong. God is the standard of truth. God is the determiner of truth. But unfortunately... Paul told us that in the end times, man will always be learning, but he will never come to the knowledge of truth. I want you to hear that again. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that, that man will always be learning, but he will never come to the knowledge of truth. Today, people are more educated than ever before, and yet it seems like we know less than ever before. Confused people are leading confused people. And the reason is we are seeking to determine truth rather than follow truth. Understand, when God speaks on an issue, it's settled. It doesn't matter what the politicians say. It doesn't matter what the social media influencers say. It doesn't matter what the university professors say. It doesn't matter what the Hollywood elites say. When God determines truth, it is true. So let me give you a few examples. In the very first chapter of the Bible, we are told that God created human beings, male and female. From the very beginning, God created two genders. He created men and he created women. And the Bible teaches us that from the very first chapter to the very last chapter. Now understand, I realize that there are a lot of confused people in our world today. And I know that there are a lot of hurting people in our world today. And I also know scientifically that, that there are babies that are born in our world where it is hard to determine which sex they are. We are told that 1 in 1,000 to 1 in 1,500 babies are born that way. But that along with all the other physical or mental irregularities we may be born with, are the result of being born into a sinful race in which the results of our sin create all kinds of problems in these bodies we inhabit. But that doesn't change the fact that God created two genders, male and female. Now, in the world in which we're living, we should be caring and compassionate to those who are hurting. But I want you to hear me telling adults, much less kids, that they were born into the wrong body is not helpful. It's harmful physically, psychologically, and most of all spiritually. God determines gender. 
Or what about homosexuality? Now understand, homosexuality has been around since shortly after the fall when sin entered the human race. But it seems that it is increasing today. And that's not because of the way children are born, but because of the influence of a sinful world. The gay and the lesbian lifestyle is being celebrated today and promoted today more than ever before. Even to the point that Disney put two lesbian characters in their new Buzz Lightyear movie that is geared toward children. Now why would they do that if it wasn't to make a point and it wasn't to influence? But understand, just as the Bible makes it clear that God created two genders, the Bible makes it clear that he created those two genders to become one in a relationship. In the second chapter of the Bible, we're told that a man is to leave his mother and father. He is to be united with his wife, and the two are to become one. And throughout the Bible, that pattern is repeated over and over again. And again, I understand that, that homosexuality has been around since, since sin entered the human race. But God has always said that it is immoral, it is unnatural, and it will always bring about the judgment of God. Now you may say, but Rocky, can't somebody be born with an attraction to the same sex? And I would say, yes, that's possible. But we can be born with a propensity to all kinds of sinful desires. But that doesn't mean that we should give in to those desires. If you knew all the thoughts that have come through my head in my 62 years of living, you would probably say I needed to be locked up. And the truth of the matter is, if all of the thoughts that went through your head were flashed on a screen... Everybody in this room would think you needed to be locked up with me. But just because you have a thought or an urge that comes into your head doesn't mean that you act on that thought or that urge. God's word is crystal clear. God created men to marry women and women to marry men. One of my dear friends in Orlando, when I lived in Orlando, has an incredible story of God's redeeming grace. He was a lawyer, and he was practicing law in, in Texas. He was a graduate of the University of Baylor in their law school. And, and um, one day, he was married, and one day he, he wrote his wife a letter, and while she was gone, he left. And in the letter, he said that he had always struggled with homosexual desires and he was tired of living a lie and he was leaving her to pursue the way that he was created to live. And that's what he did. He left his wife and went out and began living the homosexual lifestyle. But his wife didn't give up on him. She loved him. And she prayed for him. And she got her friends and her family members and her church praying for him. And not immediately, but after a while, God broke his heart. 
He came under conviction of his sinful lifestyle. He repented. He turned from his sin. He came back to his wife asking her if she would have him back. And they got back together. Today they have three beautiful children. All of them are college age or older. He has served the Lord as a pastor at one of the largest churches in Texas. And now he is serving the Lord in another sphere, but he is still serving the Lord. Happily married man. When he surrendered his heart to the Lord, did, did all of his desires, his sexual desires, his homosexual desires go away? No. But what he did is he surrounded himself with good, godly men who began to teach him how to be a man. And as he was with them and spending time with them, he learned what it was to be a godly man. And God changed his desires. God changed his heart. God's word is clear. What about abortion? Because that's another hot topic today in our society. I mean, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, there are a number of people who even call themselves Christians who say that a woman should have the right to choose what is done to her body. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. A woman does have a right to choose what is done to her body. A woman has the right to determine whether she will have sex or not. A woman has the right to determine whether she will use precautions to keep her from becoming pregnant. She has that right. And a woman has the right to make medical decisions about her own body. But understand, the baby growing in her womb is not her body. It is a distinct and separate human being with distinct DNA. And though we struggle with this because we uh, see so many people who, who have unwanted pregnancies and Though there are many other parents who want to have kids but can't, the Bible makes it clear that God is the giver of life. God is the one who opens the womb. God is the one who creates the baby inside of the womb. David said this in in Psalm 139. He said, you, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Who? God did that. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the womb. You saw me before I was born. God did that. God said to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before that baby was even formed, Before that sperm and that egg joined together, God knew the prophet Jeremiah. He said, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet. God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was even born. And I wonder what kind of plans God had for all the millions and millions of babies that had been aborted in the United States because they were deemed an imposition on a mother or a father. 
because of our 3D ultrasounds and other scientific equipment today, it is no doubt that the baby growing inside a mother's womb is a human being fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet, we close our eyes to truth and we believe a lie. But that doesn't change the fact that it is true. And you can choose whether you believe the truth. You can choose whether you live by the truth. But you can't choose whether it's truth or not. Truth is predetermined by God. And truth is revealed in God's word. So in light of that, what should we do? Well, in verse 7, it says that we should obey the truth. We're to obey the word of God written in this book. We don't pick and choose what we like and don't like. We obey it. But here's the problem. There are many of us who are Christians today who never spend any time in this book. And so instead of knowing what God says on issues, all we hear is what the loudest voices in our culture say. On the issues. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker. We're believing lies rather than believing the truth. And dear brother and sister, I'm here to tell you. Whether you get into this book or not, you are going to be judged by this book. And so whether you believe that what it says on the issues is truth or not, when you stand before God, this book is how you're going to be judged. And so you need to obey it. Now with that, God gives us a warning. A warning about what we do to this book. In verses 18 and 19, it says, And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city that are described in this book. Now it's obvious that God is specifically talking about the book of Revelation when he says this book. But it's also obvious when we look at where this is in scripture that God is speaking about the whole counsel of the word of God when he says we are not to add to it or take from it. And there are many people who add to the word of God today. There are religious groups, like the Mormons. The Mormons say that they believe the Bible, but they also say that they believe the doctrine and covenants. They believe the pearl of great price. And they say the book of Mormon is the book, the rock, upon which they build their life. They are adding to the word. The Jehovah's Witnesses. They say that they believe the Bible. And yet they believe that the Watchtower Society is inerrant and is also complete truth. There are some today who call themselves Christians who are really more New Age than Christian who tell us that God gives us new words today, new revelations today that are on top of the Bible. And yet the Bible says do not add to this book. There are even many well-meaning Christians who do this. They do it by putting up guardrails to protect you against yourself because they feel like there are things you shouldn't do 
that are dangerous for you to do, and yet the Word of God doesn't give us a word on that. And even though they're well-meaning, they are adding to the Word. You see, we need to be careful adding to the Word whatever we're adding. But we also need to be careful taking away from the Word. How do we do that? We do that when we pick and choose what we want. Like, for instance, and, and this isn't an argument, but like, for instance, the New Testament and the Old Testament both speaks of tithing. And yet, there are many today that say, well, that's an Old Testament standard and we don't have to tithe today. And I would say I agree with that. We're supposed to be grace givers. Grace givers go above and beyond the tithe. But the people that say they don't want to tithe don't want to hear that either. Because the reality is they just want to hoard all their money for themselves and live selfishly. You see, we pick and choose what we want in the Word of God. And one day we will stand before God and give an account for doing that with our life. So, God's Word is truth. We need to obey it. Here's the second admonition. God alone is worthy. Worship Him. Uh, listen to what it says at the, the very last of verse 9. It says, worship only God. Now here was John. John was an apostle. He had just been given the revelation and an angel is now giving him some final words. When John the apostle falls down at the feet of the angel to worship him. John, one of the twelve disciples. John, the author of the gospel of John, the author of the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John, the one who gave us the revelation. John is falling down at the feet of an angel to worship him. Now, if anybody should know what the Bible tells us about worshiping only God, it should be John. And yet, here's John falling down at the feet of an angel to worship him. Do you see how easy it is? even with good intentions and desires to worship created things rather than the creator of all things. I'm afraid that we're a lot like John. And I'm afraid we do this more often than we think. Jesus said this. He said, if you love your mother and father, your brothers and sisters, and I would add to that your sons and daughters, your husband or wife, and even your own life more than me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Boy. You see, our worship is revealed by our love. And I confess to you, hear me. I love my wife. I love her with all my heart. There are times that my love for my wife, if I'm honest, is more than my love for the Lord. It's a dangerous thing. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. 
grandkids are a gift. If you don't have any yet, oh, just wait. Hey, really, there's something. And I would, I would give them anything. And yet I realize that there are times that my love and devotion to them is, is taking the place that only God should have in my life. It's easy for any of us to do that. To worship the created things rather than the creator. Because listen, worship isn't about coming together and singing some songs, listening to a message and giving our offering. Worship is about our allegiances, our loyalties, who and what we bow down to, who and what we Love, where we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we use our creative energies. Our worship is shown not by what we do for an hour on Sunday morning, but by what we do for the other 167 hours during the week. That's where we show what we worship. And here we learn only God is worthy. Worship Him alone. And if you do, everything else will fall into place. Here's the third admonition. Jesus is coming soon. Get ready. Notice what it says in verses 10 through 15. It says, then He instructed me. Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. And I know that's confusing to some. But then he said, look, I am coming soon. He says that twice in these last verses. And I am bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers. And all who love to live a lie. He says... God's word is not to be sealed up. Do not seal up this prophetic word. You see, Daniel was told when he was given a prophetic word to seal it up, to not share it. But, but God told John, don't seal up this word. You need to share it with everyone. And some people will listen and respond. Other people won't. They will stay just like they are. But it doesn't matter. You're to share the word with everyone. Why? Because I am coming soon. As a follower of Jesus, I am not responsible for whether a person gives their life to Jesus or not. Sometimes I want to take that responsibility on myself because my heart breaks and I'm burdened and overwhelmed with grief when I feel like people need to give their life to Jesus and they don't but my responsibility your responsibility as a child of God is not to save people that's God's responsibility but our responsibility is to boldly and passionately and lovingly 
share the word with everyone. And, and then he says, blessed are those who's, who's wash their robes. What is he talking about there? Well, we're told that we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. Without the righteousness of Jesus, our righteousness are but filthy, dirty rags, dirty robes. But when we're washed in the blood of Jesus, we have pure, spotless robes. But those that aren't washed in the blood of Jesus, they're outside of the gates of the city of God. And he tells us some of those people, and certainly this isn't exhaustive, it's just an example. He gives us another list in Revelation 21. Throughout the word of God, we have these lists of people who haven't repented and they're living their lives their way and they die apart from the grace and the mercy of God and they spend eternity separated from God. But those of us who know him, those of us who have been forgiven, those of us who have had the blood of Jesus make us clean, man, we get to be with Jesus forever. Get ready, whoever you are, because Jesus is coming. And then the final admonition is this. God's invitation is extended to all. But it's up to us to respond. Notice what it said in verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty Come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life, freely. God freely offers us eternal life. And all he says to us is come. Come and drink. Come and receive. Jesus was on earth. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, overwhelmed by burdens, I will give you rest. Jesus said, come. And we have to come. Jesus won't force himself on any of us. He's given us everything. And he extends the invitation, come. Be a part of my family. And we have a choice. We can come, become a part of the family of God we can go, no, I don't want that. I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. We'll be outside the gates of the city and the lake of fire. So, my admonition to you today is fourfold. One, if you're here and you've never responded to God's invitation to come, humble yourself. Why are you waiting? I've never met someone who was born again. The Spirit of God changed their life. Who said, I wish I would have waited a little bit longer to get saved. Never heard anyone say that. But I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I wish. I wish I would have responded sooner to the grace and the mercy of God. So if you're here and you've never responded to God's invitation 
come. It was fine. If you're here and you're a child of God and yet you're believing the lies of this world, stop it. Let God's word be the source of truth for your life because it is truth. This is the determiner of truth. Whether you live by it or not, whether you believe it or not, it is. And one day you will stand before God and be judged by the truth. Third, if you're a child of God, proclaim the truth. Tell everybody you come in contact with about the Jesus that this book tells us about because he loves us. He so longs for us to know him. And then finally, if you're a follower of Jesus, worship only God. It's very easy to worship the things of this world. You've got to guard against that. And every morning you've got to get up and say, God, today I'm going to worship only you. And as you do that, it changes for the good every other relationship in your life but you got to worship only God so my invitation to you today is fourfold however you need to respond you respond our, our altar is going to be open I'm going to be down front I want you to stand with me right now and I'm going to pray and our praise team is going to lead us in a song I want to encourage you to come to the altar and just pour out your heart to God if you want me to pray with you, you come. Father God, this is your time. I pray that you'll have your way in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I pray. I pray, Father, that no one will leave this place today apart from your Holy Spirit. Lord, working in their life and apart from them responding obediently to your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name.